tip. Good afternoon. It's January 29th, 2024. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limanos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What's going on, Will? We're going to jump right into it. I do not like what Patrick Mahomes is doing. I thought for we have years before there's any sort of, eh, is the next Tom Brady around? I mean, forever in the NBA, it was, is this the next Jordan? Is this the next Jordan? You could probably find double-digit Sports Illustrated covers that d- did that same theme for a long time. But, nope, Patrick Mahomes, back in the Super Bowl. Uh, this, this is a lot. These are a lot of Super Bowls. He's only 28 years old, and I think I mentioned on the on the last pod that I was picking the Ravens, but it's it's Mahomes and the the series before against the Bills. The Bills were favored, but I was like, they they got Patrick Mahomes, and then for some reason, you know, I, I just watched the watched the games all year, and the Ravens overall looked like a better team. They were at home, but we're not learning our lesson as Americans. They're they're going to the Super Bowl. Mahomes is an underdog again. And I ask you, will you be going against Mahomes for a third straight time? No. No, never again. No, I've I've learned You can't, right? I've learned I've learned my lesson. There's there's the immediate Brady comparison, and I actually think it's almost easier to compare Andy Reid to Belichick than it is Mahomes to, to Brady. But there's there's comparisons aside of just continued success when we have so many so many other teams targeting the same goal, and it's like, how in the world is it the same team again? I, I understand the nauseation fact of the, the Patriots in every other year and the Brady winning for so many years, but it is it is happening again, and now it's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's 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 easy to say there's these sort of skill sets between the two quarterbacks, but I, I think it's a lot of don't lose the game for your team that wins you just as many Super Bowls. Like, Brady didn't have... He wasn't phenomenal every single game. I'm not going to say that. You know, there were Super Bowls where he, he certainly wasn't the the best he's been in, or at his peak or, or at his best game, but it always felt like he played good enough for us to have a chance, and that's just what Mahomes does. He doesn't make those mistakes. He stretches out plays. It, it seems like he just does enough for you to get the win, and sometimes it's, it's a taller task for, that he, he needs to deliver on, and he's able to do that. But even even this game, you know, he doesn't score in the second half, and we're, we're still like, wow, don't ever bet against Mahomes. Like how how is that how is that playing out right now? Where we were like, yeah, this is kind of a tale of two halves here, and I guess you could argue that Baltimore never really got their act together. But is it fair to say like never bet against Mahomes and he didn't even score in the second half? I think it is. He, he got the lead. He's the quarterback. He's he's the main guy, and you know I, I I hate to do it, but just has that like Tom Brady of he could be the underdog, but if there is any possibility that he could get the win, like. Say the game goes a little bit different, and the Ravens do get their act together. They do score that touchdown, and it's tied. And you know, rather than they're they're scrambling at the end, and you know, basically game's over. If Mahomes gets the ball back with a minute left and one timeout, you're thinking, "All right, Chiefs are going to win this." It's not not quite automatic, but I I just I, I think it's got to be in that category. And I was listening to. Uh, uh, part of my take earlier, and they were saying, oh, well, you know, everybody's saying that. It's like, well, once it got deeper into the Brady era, everyone was saying about Brady, and it didn't make it less true. We could uh, we could spend a lot of time on, on Kansas City, and maybe we will in the, the Super Bowl preview in just a second here, but I, I, I do think the losing teams are a little bit more of, of the storylines. You could point a lot of fingers at Baltimore, but I don't really know if it's entirely fair to everyone. I thought them not rushing the ball at all was 
was questionable. And you, you could say, all right, you were down early in a game, and when you're down, it, it's kind of hard to run. But they weren't down, you know, that they weren't down double digits. It, like it was a it was a winnable. Like it wasn't like they had to immediately score thirty points in the third quarter just to even have a chance. Kind of like the other game here, where I, I felt like that pressure was far more on them. But the over aggressiveness of this offense throughout the entire second half of essentially trying to get back into this game off of one play. It just, everything felt very forced for them. Like as if they, they knew the opportunity was there and they, they were just too overexcited to, to, to ruin it. And that I feel like they didn't do their job. They, they, they completely get distracted. The, the Zay flowers fumble is an incredible defensive play. I, I think some people want to put some blame on Zay and maybe you could, but I, I just thought that was an incredible play, which you could put some, some blame on is the penalty right before was just so unnecessary they could have been so much closer. Maybe the fumble play doesn't happen if they're at the goal line and they just run the ball in. And this is again a completely different game. I thought that I thought the fumble into the end zone that was an incredible defensive play. I'm not really blaming Flowers at all. Well, what did you think on it? I mean, what more could a defender do? It's right there on the goal line. It's the last, last, last resort, and it worked. When I saw it live, I thought he was in. I thought he, I thought he was in, and then it. Got knocked knocked away and said, all right, yeah, when they review that. But then on replay, you could see for sure. Yeah, he stretched it out. And that's why they, they always say, Belichick said, when you're going for the goal line, don't stretch out for it. Worst case is you come up a little bit short, offense will take care of it. And just talk about a backbreaker. We're just over and over again. Just you can't get anything, anything moving. And you're only down 10 points. It's a two-score game. It's very much within reach. The Ravens have been good all year putting up points. And you just think, all right, they're, they're, there's something that's going to go their way. They're, they have to do something. The Chiefs' defense has been better this year compared to the past years. But it's not like it's the 85 Bears or anything. Like, they, they should have been able to make something happen. And to have that right as you're about to score. And nope, give it right back to, back to Mahomes. Just so tough. So very tough. Everyone's been a little critical of Lamar and – Probably deservingly so, but I think every quarterback I saw this weekend was good enough to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, I don't want to hear any conversations of, like, this guy doesn't have it. You know, I don't know why they gave him all that money. Like, I, that's that's nonsense. It wasn't his best game, and it certainly is probably not the outcome anyone in Baltimore imagined going this way or even wanting to have, have happened. But I thought every quarterback really showed up this weekend, and I thought the games were exceptional. There's... There's just these little things, these these handful of mistakes when the stakes are this good that that just cost you the game. The, the turnovers are, are alone. Th that's it. That's the difference. I mean, Kansas City didn't think, have anything like the, that. The real issue that people are really coming down hard on him is just that last interception when you need to stay – you're in field goal range. You need you need to score twice. Of course, you'd love to score two touchdowns and take take a lead, but you you got to play it a little safer – and it wasn't even, oh, take a little bit of a risk. Okay. It was triple coverage. I mean, there are three guys right there. It's not even close. It, it, I think that is just, that's like the, the the image that you take away from, from that game. That play was basically the definition of him losing faith in their offense that has been so successful for the entire year of saying, no, I have to take big shots right now. This has never happened this season. Apparently, apparently this is how we deal with it. They should have just stuck to their game plan and just, as the game went on, I, I guarantee would have evened out. It just felt like they kind of jumped ship on, we have to just throw really, really big, long tosses, and this is the only way we're going to get back in the game. When, like, Kansas City didn't run away with this at all. Like, they didn't score at all in the second half. So 
No. You could have had opportunities to run the ball and maybe not put quite as much pressure on Lamar, who, again, I, I said this about Purdy last week. I was like, when the quarterback's not having a great game, you got to run the ball. you got to find a way to make his life a little bit easier. And it just seemed as this game went on, we made Lamar's life even harder every step of the way because there was, again, no threat of running at all. So now now we're on every every single reception, and they're playing from ahead. I just thought it was a well-played game by Kansas City. I don't think there's quite as Kelsey, many. I thought Kelsey put a, a, a vintage performance, and as a, as a fantasy owner, he was good at the beginning of the year, but the second half, he was serviceable at best. I mean, that's like the, the nicest thing I could say. So to come out, score the first touchdown, and he was very much involved, and I, I was surprised that he was able to turn it on like, like he did. Great game for him. Great game for him. I think he's the only one who statistically looked like he had a great game. I mean, even Mahomes' numbers are not phenomenal. But what was impressive was the time of possession. 37 minutes to Kansas City's to Baltimore's 22. It's it's That's the difference. That's 15 minutes. That's a whole quarter right there of, of just – That's a long time. Of offense I was able to have with Mahomes on the field that you had to deal with. And and Lamar is working with less less time. He's got the ball only 22, only two, 22 minutes of this game. He had the ball. So, you know, point your fingers all you want at him, and it's kind of hard to say the Baltimore defense blew this game when, again, Mahomes didn't score in the second half. So, like, great job by you. It's, I think it's just, this is what happens when the talent rises this high and these are the good teams that are playing, and these are kind of the results you get where there isn't a whole lot of mistakes. I don't think there's a a whole bunch of blame to be shared around. It's just a better team won, and that's that's how close it's going to be in the NFL. Versus, I think, in the next game, anything else about this game? We're going to talk the actual Super Bowl after it. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Versus in the next game, I think there's a lot more easier mistakes to actually point at and say, all right, I don't know if they should have done that. That that is a, There's a scenario where if they don't do that, maybe something else happens, and and Detroit ends up being a little bit more successful in this game. Again, it's still a really close game. A tale of two halves where San Francisco basically doesn't even score in the first half. They put up seven. They put up 17 in the third, which is a massive comeback, and suddenly this game's an entirely different game. It's tied up. The pressure is high. Everybody's kind of out of character for for Detroit at this point, and the defense can't do anything, anything to stop them. It happened quick. I think you could point again at some turnovers, but the, the fourth down attempts, I think, is really what everyone's talking about today. And it's the philosophy of the this is what they did to get them here, and every team should be happy to be competing in this game. But I don't know which one you want to pick at the, the most. I, I think it's the the drop is is definitely not what you expect. And when you're going for it, and that's just just a backbreaker. But I thought the other one, when they were closer to the goal line, where they had the opportunity to, I think, tie the game if they kicked a field goal and chose not to go for the field goal and said kick it, or instead instead throw it, and they throw it to somebody. It's like five feet away. It's like that was a terrible fourth down attempt. There's only like fourth and three, I want to say, too, where maybe run a shorter play. You don't have to actually score a touchdown on this play. I thought that was easy to say. And then the timeouts at the end. I, just, I mean, I, did Dan Campbell blow this game? Is there a scenario where Detroit actually wins this game, or was it destined for San Francisco to eventually get this unstoppable offense together and and just run all over this team? He, I don't think, he, I don't think he lost it. I think he did exactly what he's been doing all year, and when it doesn't work, it doesn't look good, and when it does work, it's oh man. This guy's got it, not scared. So I don't want to look at it too much of just what was the result because if this is what you've been doing, this is the attitude. you. And if you are more consistently in these situations, 
your players are probably more prepared for it compared to the other team, and you probably have practiced more of these plays where sometimes you, you say that play, guy dropped the ball. It's like, well, you know, what, what, are you, what are you supposed to do there? Like the play, play ran, right? I mean, other times you see teams, you know, it's, it's fourth and one, and then they're running from shotgun and doing something goofy where it's just like, just run the run the tush push. Like they're, they're you know, run, run strong. You know, there's there's a lot of options. You don't you don't need a five step drop and then throw a thirty yard pass. Just like you just need need one yard. I think the one mistake that he did make was down the stretch when they needed the two scores. So you're going to need the ball back after this. And he ran it on third down and they didn't get it. And then they needed to call timeout. That made it so you had to get an onside kick or the game was over. With the new onside kick rules in the past few years, it, it's basically impossible like i think you have better odds with it with a hail mary than to get the onside kick so i think what your plan had to be is if you were going to run it that you had the field goal team ready to go and so as soon as if you didn't get it they're running on kick the field goal and then you have all three of your timeouts but to run it and then use the timeout you just you 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 put you put the nail in your own coffin do you think even if they kept the timeouts or even if they'd scored let's say that that Montgomery rush on third down say they score say they get the touchdown they're down three they have all of their timeouts everything that everyone has been critical on saying that they 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 didn't do this right they could have done this right and do you think they were going to be able to stop Mahomes knowing that all he has to do is get one first down I mean you have a chance I I understand or Purdy sorry do you you think that they were going to stop him like I I don't like they hadn't really stopped him the rest of the, the whole second half I think they would have got a first down. I do think it opens a window of odds that you're talking about where I think they, I want to say they said 4% on an onside kick and a Hail Mary is maybe six and a half, seven percent 7% chance of, of success. You're, you're, those are better odds. And it's funny that they're so over analytical on the fourth down of saying, or we go for it, we go for it. It's analytics. And this was very unanalytic running the ball on third down and then calling the timeout. So it was, it, it, it was, like you said, shooting themselves in the foot. It was also just kind of going against their philosophy. You can't go for it on, on fourth down all this time and then and then say you'd rather put the odds in an onside kick than trying to get three stops in a row. It, it's it's just not the right, right move to play. But the play of this game, the momentum shifting, was the Ayuk helmet catch. The, this giant 50-yard bomb of a Hail Mary, basically, that smashes off the defender's helmet, bounces into the air, and Ayuk just catches it. Un- it almost un- scores a touchdown. Unbelievable. Changed everything about this game. There's so many scenarios that could have happened with that toss, and yet him catching it off the helmet was was like the last one I ever would have thought to happen. There could have been an interception, pass interference, a- an actual catch, an overthrown, underthrown, I- interception. Like There are so many scenarios that could have happened. This one is one of those ones that I think if they end up being victorious for the Super Bowl this will be that goofy play that they show in all the highlights of like I can't this is where it started like this is where it was a team of destiny where if this doesn't happen I'm not saying they wouldn't have scored or that they wouldn't have won this game but this was the start of the momentum with the fumble the very next possession that was just a a home turf goal mine of momentum that you don't ever get to uncover in a playoff game it just happens and I, I don't know how you stop the bleeding if you're Detroit for all of it. It just seemed like a mountain of momentum just going completely against them. Do you blame the guy for not intercepting it? I mean, the thing smashes right off his helmet. Is, 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 uh, he, is he having a little, little regret today? Because I said this is this is the point right here. If this is this play goes somewhere else or happens some other way, 
there's a different story I think happening today. I I think it it definitely is because the Niners were struggling to figure something out and then you just get gifted like you said you get gifted this catch and then you almost gifted a, a fumble just immediately after where it goes from lines are in absolute control to this boat is sinking and it is sinking incredibly fast and we are in real danger I, if this is normal during the year this is a, a come on man segment and it's, it's goofy and we laugh at it but this is it's decided to some degree maybe not a hundred percent but a non-trivial part of who went to the Super Bowl. And it bounced right off of his face mask. And just it couldn't couldn't deflect it, couldn't couldn't do anything. I I think we we've we've seen wonky plays like this before, but I just an absolute bomb and you know, credit to the 49ers for taking advantage of it. Right. I didn't I kind of made the statement earlier about I thought every quarterback that played this weekend was good enough to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, did, do you agree with that? Do you think you think Jared Goff is is on edge? Purdy was fine. Like, are we? These are Super Bowl quality quarterbacks in comparison to the rest of the league. Maybe not the top picks, but passable, good enough. What What do you think? Uh, Purdy did not look very good in the first half, but he turned it around in in, in the second half. Uh, Goff, I, I I mean, didn't make uh, you know a ton of of mistakes. I thought, you know, towards the end, you know, he was, uh, you know, helping him march, march down the field. But I, I, you, you can always think in hindsight, it's like, oh, no, there, there are better quarterbacks. But this year, there were so many injuries. <laughs> Once you go down, just having a guy that wasn't just awful, it, just an average quarterback, you're just thinking, oh, pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of guys on the on, on the list that aren't. Uh, going to the Super Bowl that I think you could just automatically just slam dunk put in over over these two. Man, there was a scenario where they jumped out early that was like, is this is this real? Is this really going to happen? Like they're going to just they're in San Francisco, right? Like they're not. This isn't in Detroit anymore. This isn't just a, a mountain of momentum, like I said, to going in their way. But coming out hot like that, I just I just thought that was an excellent play by by golf specifically. It's just making everything happen, doing doing what you got to do and. I thought he was competitive can, throughout the game. Can you think of a worse football loss uh, in, in recent memory than this one? With the setup being, it's a team that has not won a playoff game in 30 years. Then they win two. Then they're on the road. If you win, you go to the Super Bowl. You're going in. You know you're, you're you know, a touchdown underdog. So, you know, you have hope, but... You're probably going in with a little like, uh, I don't know, we're going to need some luck to go our way. And then sure enough, you were up by 17 points at the half. Absolutely cruising. I, I think it'd, it'd be impossible not to let it creep into your mind of, we're going to the Super Bowl in two weeks. I'm going to watch my team in the Super Bowl. And you're starting to think about plans of, oh, okay, like if we're in the Super Bowl. Like, all right, like who am I going to invite over? All, all this stuff. And then just an absolute meltdown. Just And it happened so fast in that third quarter. Just boom, boom, boom. And you go from we are cruising to a super, to to the Super Bowl. This is going to be awesome. We might win the Super Bowl. To nope, nope. Your season is over. That is the advantage of having been there before, and they didn't have that advantage. That that that's that's the only. There's nothing you can do to prepare for that other than actually being in a game with that much, not necessarily controversy, but just kind of lead changes and, and combative nature and, and just high competitive. And then just wacky things are going to happen. Some things are going to go your way. Some things aren't. You, you're never, 
you're never really entirely ready for these games. The only way you can be is just experience more of them. So hopefully that's that's the the bright side of all of this. I I'm kind of at the point now where Mahomes. I don't want to compare him to Brady, but this might be a little bit more comparative to say Jordan, where it was like Jordan went all six and no one else had any chances. Like there's a lot of good players that is like, oh, there's Mahomes error. Just yeah, cross him off. He was he was good, but you know nobody won. He he went to every Super Bowl. Like nobody else had those chances. And you know the guy that was able to defeat Kansas City is is, is retired. He's not even in the league anymore. So this is everyone else's trouble. And I wouldn't I wouldn't hang your hat to you know. It's, it could be fine. You know, if this all ages well, Mahomes being a phenomenal quarterback and you just aren't able to overcome all of this, it, 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 it's fine. You know, <laughs> and if you're, if you're Jared Goff, I think you're, you're in the conversation. You'll take it. If you're Purdy, it's been a little up and down. But I suppose as long as Debo Samuels is healthy and you actually get him the football, you are going to have an offense. So that's, that's what I'll say about that. All I, right. think, I think that was huge that he was able to play. Huge. All right. Super Bowl preview. I can't remember what we do. We did we do well on our picks. We both went Baltimore, right? I think we probably because we're idiots. Yeah, that was silly. I, I don't think we went Detroit. That doesn't sound like us, but no, I definitely didn't. We have a Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs versus San Francisco 49ers. Mahomes and Andy Reid are back again. The Niners are back again with a completely different team in some degree. And I'm I'm torn between them because, you know, there's. There's a team that played really well in the first half and not so well in the second, and there's a team that played terrible in the first half and a whole lot better in the second half. And the more recent momentum sounds like San Francisco has it, but there's there's that having been there before factor that, that we just described, that the things just suddenly didn't go your way and you have to either be able to manage it, control it, counter it, and just find some way to get through it. And I just think Patrick Mahomes has that. You mentioned at the beginning here, who are these crazy people picking against him? And and give me the reasons why, because there it's not it's not gonna ever make sense to me now. It, it just I think this is a guy you can't pick against. And even though I do believe the San Francisco 49ers are a more talented roster, which I also believed strongly about Baltimore's roster being better, I, I don't think you could pick against this guy and in, in a one game winner go home scenario, which is what this is. I'm going with Kansas City and I I feel like I'm jumping on the bandwagon as late as you possibly can, and I'm embarrassed by it. But I, I feel like I'll be more embarrassed if I if I didn't jump on it now. And I'm curious, is that how you're feeling? Are we, are we on the same page here? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get burned again. I'm going with Mahomes, and I don't think throughout the year and even earlier on, it wasn't so much picking against Mahomes. It was the rest of the team. His wide receivers made bad decisions. They had a lot of drops. I really seriously wonder if... Kadarius Tony not playing like what was like the, the biggest help to them and the biggest hurt to the Ravens, which is just a wild thing to say. It is. It is pretty. It is pretty wild. You want to know what's more wild is this might be the worst roster Mahomes ever has. Like, is there if they even just appearing in the Super Bowl, I imagine this team will get better next year. Like someone else is going to say, why am I over here with this guy? And I there's opportunity over there. I, I would try to actually prioritize finding like a tight end, and I don't know where they're going to get that because these Kelsey games, I don't think there's quite as many left unless he's going to do kind of a Gronk thing where he's in a year and out a year and then suddenly healthy again a year, and that's that's a possibility. I don't know if this was a year that he was exactly phenomenal in Kelsey. I, I think I think he's he had a down year. He had a great game this week, but it's been a down year. But I think this Kansas City Chiefs team will be better next year. I, versus the Niners team, I don't know what changes they have to make, and they're kind of locked into what they got, and that's that might be fine. But 
I feel like they have a lot more guys that are going to worry about paying. But I, I'm going with Casey. I, I think one of the uh, one of the ways that they could not be as good next year is Chris Jones uh, is going to demand a uh, quite a, quite a large contract, and I'm not sure if the uh, if the Chiefs will be, will be able to afford it just with the other money that they're 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 paying out. So that could be something that you know defense not as talked about, but all of a sudden, or if they do pay him. Where where do you find the money for for the rest of the guys? So that could be something where it's not necessarily going to be the same team, uh, as well as I th- would think they try to do something with the wide receivers. But that uh, Valdez Scantling catch was amazing, especially after the whole year. All oh, these receivers they're struggling. They he was looking the wrong way and he was going backwards, falling down. Uh, that that seemed for sure like uh, one of those catches where when the guy. He does catch it, but then going to the ground, he hits the ground so hard backwards that it flies out of his hands, and he held onto it, and that that sealed the game right there. Huge catch, and it, and it was, I mean, it was it was a challenging catch, but it was just just catch this, and and that's all we need for today. Like I think he had two major major catches like that. They weren't they weren't like a you know drawn up specifically for him. I think they were just simple little little out routes, and that sometimes that's all it takes. You just gotta have a guy do that. I, I just think they found a guy in Rice this year, so like that's that's a keeper. I talked about Kelsey being down. I just think there's still areas that this team could easily improve on, and and I'll be curious to see what they they kind of go into next year trying to address. Because I, I, I think if you're the rest of the league or if you're Kansas City, you're looking at the rest of the league. It's like we have Mahomes. We should be all in every year. We shouldn't ever have to put him through a season like this. Uh, you got a score prediction for this? I think that it will be Chiefs 24 and it will be the 49ers 18. Yeah, I'm going to go 21-14. I think it's... Ooh, all touchdowns. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, they've watched a lot of Dan Campbell film, you know, just... No, no, no kickers. Yeah, no, yeah. Don't trust the kicker. You know, I, I, the, the kicker thing. Did you hear what his actual stats were this year? Like, the, like they're the I, real. I knew that that he was, uh, he, he was brought on later, and you know they didn't necessarily trust him uh, a ton. And like, what was it? He'd only taken uh, uh, two or three kicks from forty yards or, or deeper. I think he'd only made one, and it was indoors. That was like forty-five or or more specifically outdoor which is funny that we've broken down this kicker to indoor outdoor already it's like even if he even if he's good indoors it doesn't matter his, his outdoor stats are what we're looking at he's looking a little bit more like 50 percent on the outdoor was the real i think it was eight of 16 on his career outdoor kind of kind of shaky but you know if he's not taking 50 yard shots i, I still think i still think you got a pretty good chance with him i We'll never know. We'll, we'll we'll never know. I don't know. Are they bringing him back next year? Because or, or are we just saying it doesn't really matter if we're going to have a guy going for it on fourth down every time? I think that does uh, come into the equation, both on how many times you go for it and if that's going to be your philosophy. You can you have to allocate your resources somewhere. So if you're not even going to use the kicker very much, well, you don't really want to use your resources to pay a kicker that's going to just be sitting on the bench. I mean, if you're if you're Justin Tucker and you hit like two sixty yarders this season, and you're just like, really thirty five yards? We're we're not even looking my way down the sideline here. Like we're just 
Didn't even hesitate. You know, it, and it's also I think it's funny on the sidelines where they asked the quarterback, was like, You want to go for it? It's like, who's the quarterback's like, no. We should really right. look at the big picture. You know, these we are should... like the most alpha, like elite <laughs> athletes of all time. Like you, it could be fourth and thirty from the you know the, their own one. Like you think you got it? It's like absolutely, we definitely got it. Let's go. It, it, there has to be a mindset of being like, well, if you give me four tries, nobody can stop me, right? Like you, if your your quarterback kind of yeah, has right. to have that that mindset of like, I'm gonna have four tries. Yeah, no, there's no way they're gonna stop me. And then that seems to really come out even more when you've already failed on three. And this last one's like, oh no, I'm due. It's like I'm, I'm at the at the blackjack table right now, right? You get to play, play by the book, you know. Just, I, I it's, it'll be interesting going forward to the, the Dan Campbell saga. Of, of, I think we've really been impressed with the fourth down success of the season, and then to see it kind of blow up on them in, in a critical playoff game. But you know, ride or die with your strategy. So like, I, I kind of respect him for doing it. I just, I think it's easy to cr- say today, like you should have just jumped ship on that philosophy, and, and maybe you had a chance. Uh, all right, anything else for, for NFL well, right now? We want to talk Swifties? See, that, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's where it's really easy to say that with what the results are. But you look at when the you know the Falcons, when they blew up to the Patriots, it's because, you know, that they changed their strategy. And you just, you, you can't, you, I think you got to stick with it. And then I, I think if you change up what you do and then you lose, then going forward, you're always going to be questioning yourself of like, do I stick with what I do or do I do I switch it? And it's like if you just know, all right, this is this is our philosophy, this is what we do. I think just going forward, you just you're more trustworthy and you're more likely to have success because everyone's rowing in the same direction. Well, you really only have a competitive advantage if you stay with the same strategy. You will never have an advantage if you're constantly switching. If if you're going entirely yeah. analytical, entire like entirely on an analytical basis, and it isn't a case by case thing. It's like nope. This this yardage, this down, we do this, and that's just what it says. And if you, if you keep switching that, you're never really going to get the edge that you have by just committing to it. Uh, all right, Team Swifties, two of us here. I th- I think this is going to be one of the most watched Super Bowls of all time. I thought I thought the weekend just delivered with these two football games, and the last weekend as well. Like this is some pretty quality NFL products for as you know amateur and awful as the quarterback play was for the whole season. What, what, what are we expecting numbers-wise? Like, I think this is going to be huge. I'm curious to see if Usher is going to get a massive boost from just all of this or if Usher is just going to gain a whole bunch of hate of all the attention he's about to get because he doesn't, doesn't even know the eyes that are coming his way. This is already a Super Bowl. I think you mix in the Taylor Swift. I think you mix in a little bit of a rivalry between these two teams again. You add Patrick Mahomes. I, I think it's going to be a massive, massive event. And I know it already is, but what are you thinking here? Are you thinking bigger numbers, biggest Super Bowl? Is that, is that possible? No, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? Why not? What, what's the real no, turnoff of all I, this? I think, I think there's, I think that we're in the era of there's so many other things to do, other things to watch on TV that we're just never going to hit the numbers that we had previously when there were three channels and <laughs> that's all the options that, that you had. Uh, I, I, I think that there will be more Taylor Swift fans interested, but I don't know if that's going to have them sticking around as you're waiting to maybe get her shown on TV briefly. I just, I don't know what like the payoff is there. All right. You want to play the, the Taylor Swift drinking game? You get to take, take a little sip every time they show her. Or is, is that not enough? Do you think that they're showing her that much on TV? I do. I really think they do. I think they're, everything. How you many just... times do you, th- how many times did you think they showed her on TV yesterday? I think you're going to see her once a quarter in the Super Bowl. Oh, so four times is like this crazy uh, amount. That doesn't seem like that much. It's and it's not a extended interview. It's not even a sideline interview. It's 
pan over the same way that you pan over to uh, just like a regular fan in the stands. It's what five seconds. So 20 seconds worth of Taylor Swift. It's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's not impacting my, my football watching. It's improving it. If anything, any, any halftime show thoughts or expectations. Do we know who else is joining him? Is it just Usher? Like they always throw someone else in at some point last minute here, right? Isn't... It's getting pretty late for that. Because just... usually it's the initial, uh, okay, here's the main act. And then it's like within at least a month, I think they usually say who the who the other ones are. But I'm, I'm wondering if they're, they're changing it up and they're just going to say, hey, no, we're not doing the multiple acts anymore. They don't like how that's gone the past few years. And they're just saying, hey, we just got the, the, the one and that's all we're doing. I, I expect cameos. I just thought we would have known that ahead of time. Someone else will come up on stage. I don't, I don't think he'll hold the show solo the whole time. But, all right, that's I it. Mean, we haven't seen that in a, in a while, but, yeah, it. what, what happens at the halftime, halftime show is uh, the least least of my, my concern. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's it for the NFL. Let's move on to the NBA, which, what a week it was. We have coaches fired, coaches hired, we have a trade. Two. Two 70-point games. Two, not one. Two 70-point games. And and the crazy part is, is I don't even think those are the biggest storylines. I think the biggest storyline is the guy that tried to get 70 and didn't get 70 and then lost a game and got benched in the fourth quarter. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the trade? You want to start with the, the high-scoring kind of era of, of this week, I suppose? Let's, let, let's start with the, the high-scoring. So... We have two 70-point scorers this, this week. We have Joel Embiid, who just... this. You should go back and watch the, the, the film of all this. It was just dominant. It was really well played. I thought the joy of, of his team was obvious in that it, was, it, was, it wasn't forced. And that's very different than, than what I saw at the, the Carl Anthony Towns, Minnesota scenario, where he ends up with 44 in the first half. And I think he had like 10 or 8 threes in the first half. And he's just having an incredible time. Shooting the ball, but the team lost the game. Anthony Edwards had four points before in that half, and it, it, it just seemed like the vibe was completely off of this team. They ended up benching Cat at the end of the game. He had two last second shots attempts that were awful, and that he doesn't come anywhere near 70. The Luka one's the funnier one for did all. Did he end of up it. with 66? He did, but they lost the game, I, and it was clearly well, they that, lost, but I'd say, I'd say that's 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 pretty close to 70. He was clearly chasing it, though, is what I'm saying. Is it? Is that not obvious? I mean, do you think the other guys were chasing this, or do you think they were actually just kind of oh. organically getting that 70? And Bede was definitely chasing it. Booker was chasing his when he did it later in the week. Uh, the, the way I know Embiid was chasing it was, I mean, even the crowd was into it. The crowd wanted it. They, they were winning, and they were booing if anybody besides Embiid took a shot. I think to get to that number, it's just impossible to not be going after it I thought the team agreed to the kind of let Embiid and Luca get those numbers they didn't really agree to let Cat do that <laughs> that's I don't know what what is the whose fault is that is that a teammate's thing we're like hey this guy's got you know 60 plus points here we should feed the hot hand or is it that's not how we've really played offense this whole year it's great that he's having this but we should really play the way we we normally play like what we're gonna just adjust everything for a hot hand I, I could see it going both ways, but it seemed like whatever Minnesota was going to do, that nobody was going to be happy with the result at the end of the game, and then they still lost. Is is there anything here? You have to, you have to get the win. 
you have to get the win. But I have no problem with continuing to, to, to shoot to get it if you are winning to see what number you can get to. Because we, we were talking about this. If you go for 40-something, it's just like, oh, no, that's cool. But that's not podcast topic worthy. Two 70-point games and that same night, somebody goes for 66 it's just a stone's throw away and then somehow loses i i'm i'm fine with it because then then that's that that's noteworthy it's worth talking about but you 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 have to get you have to get the win that's got to be the main focus well that wasn't the only Embiid storyline of the week of which he has that massive game of scoring and then later faces denver in denver which is a matchup we have yet to see you know we we love seeing joel and, and joker on on the mvp polls and you know up there and you have your side this side whatever but it's fun to see them actually play each other and not just dominate each other and compare the stats and all that Embiid was a la- like a last second scratch to this game in which he discovered he had knee soreness about i don't know 30 minutes before the game i think it was announced maybe even less it was not on the injury report I will like to add a little side note that I don't know if it was known that was it Maxi Tobias Harris and someone else was also not going to play in that game and maybe that factored in more than I want to actually admit. But is this, is this anything here or is this just the media getting little eyes on something that they they shouldn't have seen? It's super fun. Uh, I don't think it's all the way true, but I like to poke fun at it because Embiid has this monster, monster regular season game. Sets the record for the Sixers for, for, for points. Just has a awesome, awesome day. Shows up to practice the next day with a, like some sort of a fancy coat on and just a, the jokes are like, hey, you know, when you score 70, you, you can wear whatever you want. And then after that, another guy outscores him. So already puts a little shadow on him. And then again cannot play against uh, the Joker in Denver. Do you know the last time that Embiid played in Denver? Never. 2019. All right. So that so, has happened. So it's it's before COVID. So it's a pretty funny uh, joke that he keeps dodging him. I'm sure his knee was legitimately sore. I do not think that he's actually ducking him. But I, I just, I think it's a funny, like, subplot to kind of bring up, especially where Embiid in the playoffs when the spotlight does get really bright has not risen to the level where Joker has done the opposite and Joker has a championship. So I I, I think it's fun to poke fun at. I don't actually believe that, like I said, that he, he's dodging him, but I will continue throughout the year when if there's any MVP, if there's any sort of head-to-head, I I think it's easy to point to who's who's the better player. I, I picked Embiid for the MVP prior to the season and i i still think if i were to vote today i would i would give it to him the problem is he's not on pace to qualify for it they added that 65 game limit which i i i like i agree with and if he really wants to go for the award it's, it's going to be close he doesn't have a whole lot of games left that he can miss and that's going to start deciding some arguments for us i'm just curious to see if Embiid's really injured or if he's really going to go for that MVP and at the end of the day is like how important is that actually when they need him healthy he still needs some playoff success he doesn't need another MVP award he shouldn't really care about that but I I just, I just wonder you know I think he could only miss like eight more games to hit I think the minimum is 65 it's 
it's an interesting story. Still, we still, I mean, we're past halfway, but not a lot past halfway. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to start playing in some games, and he could be strategic all he wants. You know, sit out at Denver, whatever. That's fine. It's just, I, I think he's he's isn't gonna. That, isn't isn't that fair though? I was seeing people talking about after his seventy point that oh, this is gonna be a mess. The NBA is gonna have to change the rules immediately. This isn't fair. This isn't what like the rule it was meant to be. But if a guy is playing more consistently, more games. Shouldn't that be a factor in who was the best, who was the most valuable player? Yeah, no, no, it should. It should. It, it makes sense. It, it definitely, I, if we didn't have that rule in hand, we would have people, and I might be even one of them, arguing that Embiid should be the MVP this year. And I like that. It's like, nope, these are the rules. Like, he just, he doesn't qualify. You can make a case for it all you want. You, you, you could talk all yeah. day, but it's just, that's not how it works now. There is a level of which you have to fit, and I think it's an appropriate level. I think for the amount of games they force everyone to play every year, you have to be a warrior that can get through all of these games, not just skate through and be dominant when the games you play. Because there's been plenty of guys in that in the past who would have had a better argument that I, I don't think they deserved. And I think guys that show up and, like you said, are inconsistent should should get a little bit more credit for all of this. Uh, outside of MVP talk, we did announce some NBA All-Stars. I don't want to get into this too much. I think the only one... I would have removed out of the East. I would have rearranged Damian Lillard, and I probably would have put in Brunson. And I don't even think it's an argument. I, I know it's a popularity poll, and this isn't the one voted by coaches, but I, I mean, is anyone arguing me with that? Like, do you? Yes, I, I, Dame, I'm arguing. With you're it. arguing with you. You wouldn't. You have Damian there because I, I think I think the way that you were probably looking at it, and a lot of people are, and it's it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. Is you were looking at what your expectation of Brunson was coming into this year versus what he has put out, and then you're looking at what the expectation of Lillard was versus what the output is, and not looking at them directly head to head. You're absolutely right. This is for the for the starters. It's mostly a, a popularity contest. Lillard has been a star for far longer, way better on on offense. Where Brunson, it might be, uh, you know, uh, or he's definitely a, a better defender. But it, it's an All Star game. But Lillard has played in Portland and now plays for for the Bucks. And if he's able to get more votes than Brunson, who plays for a team in New York City. I think it's pretty. It's pretty obvious who people want to want to see play. It, it it really there really is no argument for it because there there even if there is you would argue like there's Knicks hate you know people just don't like the Knicks it's like the Lakers it's like the Yankees it's, it's just you they're fun to root against you know the America doesn't who doesn't wanna... like the Knicks who who have they threatened recently well I wasn't even gonna argue who who didn't want to like the Knicks it was more of like who the hell cares about Milwaukee. You know, you know, so like to go out of your way to then suddenly care about Milwaukee is far more shocking and far more, uh, you know, outweighs the, the hate of New York Knicks. It's it's way more out of the ordinary. So I I guess I guess you said he truly won a contest with some things against him and he still won. So I'll give Dame that. I just have been more impressed. And I think the importance to Brunson to the Knicks is a little bit more than Dame is to to Milwaukee. And that's that's it. That's that's it. They didn't have any problems with anything else. I, I think there's a lot of good players in the league. You can rearrange them however you want. But I I thought that was the only one I would have tweaked. Was there anything you would have tweaked, or are you? Fine no, because with... it's it's a vote, so you can tweak later on once they have the the reserves. But I don't think that you can you tweak this. It's 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 just math. So we'll we'll see what happens when the, when the reserves come out. I know JJ Redick is really 
pushing for uh, 12 is too few. We really need more on, on the list, but I, I don't think that we should expand uh, the team any, any bigger. This is supposed to be hard. There are going to be a, a handful of guys that get hurt or just like, don't, don't want to play. So that we'll get, you know, an additional, the pool is always a, a little bit bigger. And I think that, you know, it's, it takes care of it. So I, I think it, it should be hard. It should. There should be some guys that get left off that are upset about it, and I think that is only going to help guys going forward with some motivation of, I just missed it. I just missed it. You know, I've really got to focus, and it's a, it's a push rather than making the teams larger. And I, all right, so okay, what is it? Fourteen? You know, twenty? How, how many do we make it so everyone feels feels good? It should feel like an exclusive club, and then. You know, it should be challenging, like you said, to get in. So I don't want to expand it. I already think the the way that they have to struggle to play everyone in one game and, you know, all, all 12 guys got to play because it's an all-star game and you can't play a regular rotation. Adding more guys? Like, what, are you going to make the game longer? That, that's the only way I could see sense of that. You're going to play one more quarter if you're going to add more guys. Please, please, no, do not make this game longer. All right, all-star game, not so important. This game is already long. Can we make it shorter? You don't have to watch, and you can watch it later. You can fast forward through it. You can make it. You don't even have to watch. It doesn't matter. I would like for it to be fun again. See, I don't think it ever actually was fun. There was just some years we got lucky. I would like to get lucky again. Then everyone would. Every day, I would love to get lucky every day. Like that's not like (laughs) you didn't reinvent this. Like, hey, I wish things would really go my way today. Like, yeah, everyone every day wishes that. There's someone who's like, you know what? I can handle some bad luck today. You know, let's, it's the last couple of days have been real good. Let's just, let's just pile this on right now. Bring on the misery. I'm, I'm so ready for it now. All right. Speaking of actual important games and actual important NBA news, we can get back to the real NBA of, there was a trade. Scary Terry, former Boston Celtic, left us, traded whatever to Charlotte, struggles over there. Feels like he kind of gets forgotten to some degree has now been traded for basically nothing to the Miami Heat. It has not worked out in the, the urgent last two games, but I do think the long run of this is a very threatening Miami Heat that just can I can't get them out of my head. I just can't. And I think they got a guy that there's a scenario where Boston keeps this guy and we love this guy. It just he was he was never going to pass any of the other guys. Like I don't want to compare him directly to Naismith, but it was just how are we going to find room for this guy in a rotation? when we were already prioritizing so many other guys. But I still think he was a really good player, and I still think that this is a, a huge deal for Miami. I think it's a little bit of exactly what they needed, some defensive, some youth, a little bit of speed, and and a playoff scorer. I, I, you, I, you don't need reminding, but maybe everyone else does, that you know, Scary Terry was kind of a big deal in the playoffs, and we haven't seen that since. I'm concerned. How are you feeling about this? You know, We had the Celtics up and downs as, as one of the lists right now, but... Miami made a move. They did what they always do. They got a steal of the day. Was it a draft pick in Lowry? Nothing. Uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, 2027 first round pick. Uh, lottery protected will become unprotected in 2028 if it doesn't convey, which uh, it's prob- probably unlikely. I think it's a big deal for Miami. I think it's a bigger deal that it didn't cost them anything and that they could still maybe even do something else too. I'm into this. What are you thinking? I love it as a Celtics fan. Get them Scary Terry, who played with these guys, and I think that this just helps us stay focused. Because here's a guy, and I think that we think of, uh, you know, we, we remember 
And when we go against uh, guys that were former teammates, we were just a little bit, a little bit more focused. And Terry, definitely better than Lowry at, at this stage of their career. Way better. But you know what? Lowry does all those really annoying playoff things that just drive you crazy and get in these guys' heads and just ruins everything. Now he is gone. He's far away. I don't even know where he's going to end up. He's not playing for Charlotte. They came out and said, yeah, we're not going to buy him out. We're going to trade him. Uh, okay, there there goes all your leverage. So, <laughs> all right, well, so when they actually have to buy him out, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think going in, you're like, ah, I got going against Kyle Lowry. Like, don't, don't worry about it. But, nope, going against Terry, I think they'll they'll take it seriously. And did I, I get where you're coming from with the Miami, the concern. Did any of that subside uh, with the absolute shellacking we put on them at their place last week? Miami. I'm never, I'm never not going to be scared of Miami, right? They're just that that team hiding in the dark that you you don't even know is a threat, and they just they just come out and force you to game seven, all right? They just they just do that. I I, I hear you, and and I hate it too because it the the whole thing right now they've lost six games in a row, but they they don't have to take any of the criticism because they came out of nowhere last year and they've done it in the past of made runs in the playoffs, so they could just go, oh, well, yeah, we don't care about the playoffs. All right, we don't care about the, the regular season. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, you know, he's he's just kind of playing himself into shape. I mean, we're just, we're, we're tinkering. We're figuring some things out. And just, I don't think many other teams are, have to, or are able to just kind of slide past that in the regular season. I think if there was a lot of other teams it, with their expectations, there'd be a lot more, what the hell is happening down there? What is Spolstra doing? But because it's Miami, because it's Spolstra, they're just getting a little bit of a pass and just, ah, yeah, we don't really care about the regular season. But come, come find us in March. I don't want to find them at all. I hope this doesn't go well at all. I hope they never win a game with Scary Terry. They lost their last six. I think they lost their first two with Scary. So not not going so well right now, but it doesn't matter now. Like I, you said, I already know. If this team's alive, and if they're that goddamn playing team again, and we got to deal with them as either a one-two seed, I don't want to do it. <laughs> like I just don't. This this team has Tyler Hero and Rozier now. They didn't have those guys last year. I love having kind of the 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 X factor in Porzingis that they just can't figure out. Porzingis against Miami, just dominant. I and it just works. It's exactly what we need to kind of counter all the Miami quirks that they always do. I I, I feel better with that. I just. I just I, this team getting better for what they gave up is uh, it's just such a Miami thing to do. Uh, all right, speaking of a Miami thing to do, Miami has not fired their coach. They easily have their their coach in Spo. All right, no 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 problems over there. Milwaukee is currently paying three coaches right now. They fired Adrian Griffin. They hired Doc Rivers all within twenty four hours. I I have a hard time thinking that hire, firing and hiring somebody in the middle season is, is just always like, it's gotta be so hard to do. It, it, it isn't your original plan. There's, there's no way you wish this upon anyone. I think doc even said that. And I, I just wonder, is this team actually better off? And you know, how, how bad was it? Because if you're doc rivers, also this team's 32 and 14 and you're taking over with expectations so high already that the other guy couldn't even, you know, 32 and 14 wasn't good enough. You guys still got fired and he's supposed to come in and do a better job. I just wonder how is this team actually better off? I I have no idea. I think this is a terrible look for their organization. You hire a guy 
in the offseason, you wanted to go a different direction. Clearly, you did a bunch of interviews. You decided to to hire Adrian Griffin, who it's going to come out now that he'd done a ton of uh, interviews for a head coaching job, finally got his opportunity. And like you said, they're second in the East, 32-14, and 14, which would be tied for best record in the West. So basically, you're tied for the best, for the second best record in the league, and you're getting rid of your coach. And I was surprised at most of the NBA podcasts that I listened to, making the 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 point saying, ah, well, you know, it's a rookie head coach. It, you know, they they didn't really like the defense, so you know, the players came to him said they, you know, we'd really like to go back to the old way we were doing it. So they they switched and they went back to the old way. And yeah, yeah, it just seemed like he was kind of having some 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 troubles. So they got rid of him. Did you not just interview this guy? What six months ago? And you wanted to do something different from the previous coach? I, I just, I, I don't know why you don't let him finish finish out the year. Or, like, why'd you even hire him in, in, in the first place? And then on top of that, I get, you, you can't, you know, you, you'd say Prunty is going to be the uh, the interim coach. And you're, you're, you're second. You have the second best record. You need a real coach immediately. But then you get Doc Rivers, who has been, you know, in quotes, consulting on the side. And so then he just slides in. I mean, if I'm Adrian Griffin, I got to – no wonder things weren't going along well. You had a guy in the building that sure it seems like he's kind of gunning for your job. A guy that the, I believe they interviewed. Doc was available. Was he not? It no. wouldn't surprise it. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember the, uh, the, the exact timeline or if they actually interviewed him or if that was public knowledge or not. But I know that it was uh, pretty public knowledge that he was consulting. I really tried to think of is is there a success story of a coach taking over midseason that yes yes and you know it it's not that long ago it was the Cavs it was um, Ty Lue coming in um, uh, it's the guy from Blatt, Blatt uh, David Blatt yeah David Blatt where he was hired before LeBron came back to Cleveland so the exp- what the team he thought he was getting was very different uh, I don't know the record but yes that is the recent transaction where midway through because that was my immediate thought of when has this happened and when has this ever worked out and that's that's the time but i think there's a big difference between having prime lebron on your team and not having prime or maybe i'm wrong maybe having prime Giannis is is enough to make a difference i'll be curious to see what doc rivers does to actually make a difference or if he isn't going to do anything and just let the players do whatever they want which i feel like they they either all right so Budenholzer didn't let them do whatever they wanted. The next guy came in and said, I don't care what you guys want to do. We're going to do something different. And then they all said, no, no, we want to go back to do the thing that Budenholzer did that we didn't want him to do, but now we want to do it with the new coach. Like, that's you're, – <laughs> you're too difficult. Like, you got to let a coach be a coach, let him do his damn job, and just go out there and play. I, the defense thing, you know, they can point fingers at the coach all they want. They traded away Drew Holiday. Like, you know, you're – there isn't a coach in there that's going to be able to make Damon Lillard suddenly a Drew Holiday type of a, a, a defender or make it an impact on that end. It's just it's just not going to happen. There there isn't an X and O's to that. I, I thought some of the sillier X I, and I O's. Thought, I would have thought they would have realized that of that's you're bringing in a better player, but the offense is way better, but the defense is worse. So overall as a team you're probably going to you're, you're going to have to get a little worse at defense but your trade-off is hoping that you're going to be much better on offense the trade-off how, how did you how did you not see that the trade-off isn't 
it is the offense. But where the real trade-off is, is the playoff game-closing abilities of Damian Lillard that every team has a, a struggle with. So, like, you could pick apart all of his regular season stuff. If he comes through in the playoffs, which I anticipate he will, and he's going to make big shots again, like he has, you you can't – like, that's what you traded for. It's easy to criticize him now in January saying this isn't working out, his defense is terrible, and then a couple months from now when the game actually matters, it's like, well, thank God we have a guy – I know he doesn't play defense, but – he can close out this game. He can hit that big three. He can hit that step back. He can make a play. I'm curious if Doc is going to make Giannis and Lillard play together a little bit more because they they don't really complement each other. And it seems strange because I, I think we all thought that they would and kind of naturally would with the threat of Dame being able to shoot outside and Giannis being such an attack on, on the inside. You'd either have Giannis rebounding or Giannis rolling and, and, and never have Giannis shooting because <laughs> that, that's the other thing is – he doesn't need to shoot anymore, but I haven't really seen any of that. I'll be curious to see if Doc does that. Are you, are you anticipating a little bit more pick and roll with those two? What, what is I, that's what everyone has talked about since since he joined the team and said this is what's going to happen. And I, I just wonder, and I don't think we always think about this, but when you set a screen, it means someone is running into you, physically running into you. And especially when you're Giannis's size, it still hurts when a guard runs his shoulder like right into your midsection and you can't truck stick a guy, but sometimes it's not even on purpose. If you don't, if you're not alerted to the screen that you're moving sideways, trying to keep up with, with, with Damian Lillard and you run right into him. And I wonder if in the playoffs, he's willing to, all right, yeah, we're just going to spam pick and roll over and over and over again. I'm going to take some of this, uh, some of these hits, but in, in, in a night, a Tuesday night in January, he's going, I, I don't, I don't want to get hit 15 times tonight. I think Giannis is trying to have the ball in his hands a little too much. And it's it's like, yeah, all right, one of the best players in the league should have the ball in his hands at all times and be on attack mode. And I just think he could be in attack mode and make his life a little bit easier rolling off of the screens and, and not dribbling and and just attacking off of one bounce and up and just going to the free throw line a lot. But that that's probably one reason right there that he isn't doing all that is – there's probably a shyness and a fear of going to the free throw line and taking his 20 seconds to take two shots. It's 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 obviously affecting him to some degree, but I, I just he needs to learn to adjust and to make his life easier with the addition of Lillard and not try to force every way he's played in the past that won him a championship, but this isn't the same team. Like they need to play a different way and we'll see what Doc's able to do with it. I and in some ways I think this I, is but, a, like we keep we keep saying they're they got the second best record in the league with all of these, you know, problems. So I, I think like they're doing okay. You know, the, the Celtics lost one game at home the, the whole first half of the year. And now they've already, they've already lost a second much sooner than they, they lost the first one. So if the seas cool off a little bit, like they could be the one seed that, that wouldn't be crazy. And it wouldn't take, I don't think, a, a ton of uh, of adjustments. It just could be kind of, you know, kind of how the how just luck of the draw goes. Yeah. All right. Anything else for the NBA? I don't want to talk C's. Let's get to college. Want to go right to college? All right. We got. Oh, you want to go through the, uh, the the big games coming up this week? Uh, yeah. Do that, and then or let's do the Ed Cooley thing first. What uh, what would that that happen? Right. There was a return. Uh, yes. So not really like a whole topic here. Just so I wanted to point out just one of the things that some people might not like about sports, but I, I think 
there's a good chunk that uh, that just d- does like it. So Ed Cooley was the coach of Providence, had you know some some minor success. I went to a, uh, a Providence game earlier this year, one of their uh, their tune-up games, and I was actually really surprised at uh, how engaged their, their their fans were. Where I know, okay, it's D1, but there's not a ton of D1 schools up around this area. I've been to UMass games, and it's pretty sleepy. You, you look over and behind the hoop, it's like, that's the student section, and the band's there, and that's it. Where Providence, they're going through warm-ups, and, and the whole student section is there. They're, they're all really ready to go. So I had seen... And so Ed Cooley was at Providence this offseason. He decided he was going to leave Providence. He was going to go to Georgetown. Now, Georgetown, back in the day, Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing, awesome. Jeff you know, Green. Premier program. More recently, they have not been. I think the last time that they've been, I'm going to call it like in the mix, would have been when Steph Curry beat them. And Steph Curry has been in the league for quite a long time. And that was georgetown losing kind of at the end of any anything resembling being pretty good so patrick ewing was coaching there that didn't work out so they've they've been struggling for a while now so cooley goes there so providence fans they're kind of they're kind of pissed off saying hey come on we have a pretty decent team you're gonna go to this worst team i think he had some ties i i don't know exactly but more so it's within the same conference so that makes it even even more of wait a minute you're leaving us for the little brother down down the road. So, of course, they're in the same conference, so they will be playing each other. And I had looked at the beginning of the year. Yeah, tickets to this game were like 150 200 bucks to get in the door. This was a big ticket. And Providence is okay. Uh, they lost their, their, their best player, uh, ACL tear. So, he, uh, so a- after that, it's been a little less in Georgetown. I mean, it's Cooley's first year, so... You know, give, give him a year to actually get his players in has not been that well. So that's like a really expensive ticket. And yes, when he walked into that arena, oh, did he get booed? He got booed so much. Uh, and so just one of those college basketball things, you're not going to see it really in the uh, in, in the NBA. But just knowing that these guys wanted to be in the building just to boo a guy. And then Georgetown actually put up a, put up a decent fight. It was a pretty close game. Providence was able to pull it out in the end. But you know, sometimes you just got to, uh, you know, get your chance to, to boo your, your former coach and just kind of get it all out of your system. Yeah, they got some some interdivision stuff is going to be fun. So, like, this is this is just part one. Like, we're going to yep. we're, we're gonna see this story a couple more times. That's that I think that's going to be fun. And hopefully it would be more fun if Georgetown's able to kind of fight back a little bit more in some of these future games. I made some predictions last week. I went 0 for 2. It was not a, it was not a good start. I, I'm going to make two more predictions this week, and there are more of just games I'm going to keep an eye on. And and and, and I'm picking favorites. All right, these these aren't even okay. underdogs anymore. And the only reason I'm factoring them in is I, the one game was really good, and the other game is just really funny. And it's the Northwestern versus Purdue is is a matchup that is just never going to get old for me. The, the fact that this team, two years in a row, has been successful against them, and I I completely doubt that they will be successful in this one. But I'm I'm keeping an eye on it because there's something about this team that just gets that team's number, man. I, I I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm sticking with Purdue. I think that'll end up being a good game. And then the other game, I, I think it'll be a good game. It was a good first game. will be Florida at Kentucky. This was just a high-scoring game last time, a lot of fun offense, and I, I think Kentucky will take care of business here. But I, I, those are the two games I wrote down that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. And I'm trying to go two for two here where, 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 where I can get back to 500. So going with two favorites this week. Those are my, my two predictions for victories this week. Are, there, are those either of the it's, games that you had circled today? 
uh, for this week. It's funny that those are the two that you uh, you decided on because I have both of those teams, but in different games. My games to look out for this week, uh, all three of these ones are on Saturday. Tennessee at uh, Kentucky. UConn at St. John's. Now, UConn has had some non-conference games at MSG, and they have considered that MSG is stores south. Well, the problem with that is St. John's home arena is MSG. So, come Saturday... Are there going to be more UConn fans or more St. John's fans? So that is going to be one to uh, to keep an eye out for. Uh, big one, always, every year, uh, Duke at UNC. And then on Sunday, Purdue at Wisconsin. That should be a good one. So we we both are aware of, uh, you know, Kentucky and, and Purdue, but we both picked different games. So I guess those are the teams you want to be watching this week. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep an eye out for it. It's College is stupid. Just, just gonna reiterate that. All right, as as a Michigan State fan, this is all, this is all stupid. That's that's my. Did opinion. you see that the uh, the horns down uh, made another appearance? I I did. Cause... I you know I don't entirely understand it. It's like uh, is it, is <laughs> it's like learning a, a word is suddenly offensive to society. Like I'm, I guess I'm 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 just I'm not I'm hard, having a hard time understanding the offense of this and why everyone's taking it so. So like it's like it's the end of the world. Like this is really an, an offensive thing, and I, I'm not gonna even throw out an example because I'm at a risk of getting canceled myself. But <laughs> but, but why? I'm 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 just having a hard time understanding that there's so many people that are so outraged by over this that I I'm telling you this: the more outraged everyone continues to get about this, nobody's ever gonna stop. Like they if they know this is a ticket to being in your head for a lifetime, they're gonna take it. And I think we're going about this all wrong. And then. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I just am not having the the college spirit of of this particular team and understanding what exactly the horns down means. But I'm just, I think it's just so mildly offensive and just a, a college comical humor that is somehow becoming, you know, it, it's an ongoing thing at this point. I mean, <laughs> I saw it again. I mean, is there anything else that you, we need to share about this or any yes. new news? Yes. So this is the situation this time. Texas was playing at BYU. And so the backstory on this is this is the first year that BYU is in the Big 12. This is the last year that Texas is going to be in the Big 12 before they move to the SEC next year. So this was the one time Texas is going to play at BYU. A bunch of the BYU fans, they each had had a shirt that had had horns horns down. Probably didn't have their shirts off because it's BYU. And they sign a code of conduct. They have extra rules at BYU. So this wasn't even Texas that came out and said, "Hey, please don't wear this." This was BU BYU's own administration policing its own fans. But that's what makes it even funnier because now, because Texas made such a big deal before, now it seems like they've made a big deal again. But really, it was all on the BYU side. But nope, they are back in the news and. Really should have, uh, you know, should have been a little quiet, more quiet about this at, at the beginning, because I agree with you. You know, people find out you don't like a nickname. People find out, you know, oh, this really bothers me. They're only going to do it more, and you better get prepared because if BYU is the team that's bothering you, what's going to happen when you get in the into the SEC and you go down to Baton Rouge, you go to Ole Miss, or some of these teams that I think the SEC is uh, not going to, you know, protect you like maybe uh, the Big Twelve Conference did. I, I just look there. Fans say things that you don't agree with all the time. Like you know, it's, nobody's like we're taking everything for fact, all right? Spike Lee's not out there yelling, being like blah 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 blah. And it's like, oh, is that true? 
It's like, no, it's, it's just a fan. They yell nonsense. They, they, they're, they're not relevant to all this. The relevant part are the players on the floor. Stop, like, stop making this a thing. This is, shouldn't even be a story. I, I can't believe we're spending more time on this on the podcast. And then the funny thing is, like you said, I think this is going to blow up to even more. Like, this isn't going to go away at all. This could be, like, another five-year era of you know, horns down. <laughs> I, I, all right, anything else for college basketball? Uh, that That's it for me. All right, we're going to wrap things up with uh, a quick little Netflix news. Uh, Netflix is buying WWE Raw and is planning on airing, I believe, live shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. I think this is cool. I, I, I'm not the audience for it, but I think more live stuff on Netflix, the more that Netflix can offer me, the more it could justify me only having a Netflix account, which is what I'm leaning more and more closer to with their addition of new content like they had, i feel like hbo had a bunch of content last year and all of it's on netflix now this year it just seems like more of a reason just lock in on that so i i think this is step of one i know they said they didn't want to do sports i wonder if this is just kind of dipping a toe in the water of what could be a large sports network and with all the potential deals coming up for the nba and the nfl i i'm i'm curious uh, of, of all this but I, are you we're, we're, you're not a wrestler fan right we're, we're not the audience for this no, no, not a uh, not not a wrestling fan, but it seems like an awfully big deal. It's going to start in 2025. It's a three-hour live show that is pretty much once once a week, and it's for ten years. And I wonder if with Amazon getting Thursday night football, if this is Netflix's way of just kind of testing the waters a little bit. I, I don't think they have anything. All right, they've dabbled a little bit, I think, with some. Uh, some late night shows well, that were live. They had the, I think the mostly, Chris Rock uh, live stand up act. That da, was a yep, big deal. Stand up. So a little bit here and here and there, but I'm wondering if this is a let's see if we have the infrastructure. Let's see what the interest is for live sports. Does this bring in enough people? And then if they're able to get enough subscri- subscribers, does that give them more of a war chest to be able to go out and bid on more of the more mainstream sports, or maybe that's not even what they're, they're interested in. You know, they're like, Hey, you guys fight over, you know, the, 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 you know, the NBA and the NFL, we're going to stay just below and we're going to, you know, be, be able to save some of our money, but the profit margins will, will, will be bigger. But I, I thought it was, it was very interesting. We've been saying for a while, we thought that cable was going to fully die and it was going to go all the way to streaming. And it just really hasn't all the way happened. Uh, we definitely have, still have cable we still have just even more streaming services so definitely still interested to see what direction this goes uh in in the upcoming years eventually all the all the sports is just gonna be on streaming and it's it's gonna be annoying you're not gonna know what games on which i think that's gonna be the the new modern problem of of all this but i'm i'm not against it i'm not gonna watch it though so like this is this is kind of being like yeah no this is a great idea go netflix but i'm not gonna be one of your audience members i'm curious if that's a lot more people than, than they're thinking, or perhaps I'm just not in the audience and unaware of the potential following that they just added to them. And religiously as well, if it's going to be weekly, just just get everyone hooked. It's whatever day a week, and your WWE whatever comes out, and it's the same soap opera of, of, a, of a wrestling match that they just never run out of, apparently. I I think that's the hard part about, about all of this. I, I think attending it live is cool, but I just don't get the same feel or energy from watching it on tv is, is that more of your problem with this or is it why, why are we not into this i 
I think it's just one of those things you only have so much bandwidth for entertainment and just sooner or later stuff stuff falls off. Uh, no one's really pushed me into it. I don't have any friends that have been really into it that said, oh, you know, well, I'm watching it and just like, all right, like I'll, I'll take a look just so it's never, never grabbed my attention. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I like Glow on, on Netflix. That's a it's a fun little wrestling show. It's got some surprises in there, but that, that's probably what I'm more likely to watch on Netflix than, than this. But we'll see. I, is Would you want your sports on Netflix if offered? Like if the Seas were only on Netflix, would that, would that be cool or would that be bad? Well, I, I have Netflix, so I think it would be cool. I think most people do. So maybe this will be cool for a lot of them. Uh, anything else for the people out there? Yes, the U.S. Na- named 41 players as potential uh, players for the men's basketball team. 41. Only 12 can play. How is this going to go well? I don't know. How many is it, How many waitlist letters go out for all the colleges? Like This just seems like, why are we choosing the opportunity to just reject so many people? Like, it's, I, I understand. And the, not, just, not just anyone. But specifically, guys, elite athletes that are at the top of their game in the NBA, and now you're going to say, eh, actually, we don't want you, and all these rounds of cuts. I think I'm fine. Obviously, the list has to start somewhere, but for this to be publicized, I just don't remember this happening in the past. I'm, I would think it would be fine with half of that. All right, you know, all right, there's you know, 15 to 20 guys. All right, yep, the guys are going to get cut as you figure out who fits best, but... I have 41, and now I just feel like that's only a quarter of the guys are going to make it. It's too many guys you have to tell no to, and I think that's the biggest problem in all this. Is Not that everyone's super sensitive at all, but I just think if I'd rather not be invited at all if I'm just a fringe person. I'd, I think if I'm throwing my hat in there, it's, i got to be a little bit more of a sure thing, and there's just no way you're going to get that many sure things out of all this. So This just this just reminds me of when a, a college recruit... <laughs> pairs down their list to 10 teams or 10 schools so okay you 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 haven't really pared down the list yet all right well let let me know when you've actually you know done done some of the work here so i thought 41 was was ridiculous i don't think it's gonna go well well we'll keep an eye on that and windle down that list bit by bit i'm sure there's gonna be some injuries we're still not gonna get the right guys no one's gonna agree on it but we'll get to that next week thank you as always for listening subscribe little column a little column b youtube spotify Podbean, and you can follow Zach on his X account, which is Wicked Z-Man 24. We'll be back. Little column A, little column B.